This theater has been equipped with multiple emergency exits. They should be clearly illuminated at all times. In the unlikely event of a fire, please make your way through these exits in a calm and orderly fashion. Thank you. Did you know that urine is sterile? You can drink it. I don't know where that Welcome to Digital Cowboys Film Club, a tri-weekly podcast presented by myself, Alex Shaw, and Tony Atkins, who also hosts the weekly Digital Cowboys video game podcast. Each Film Club episode will focus on just one film and bring in guests to talk about it in depth. To kick us off, we are talking about one of the last great films of the 20th century, one that will be ignored by the Academy, derided by the more straight-laced critics, and swept under the rug of Hollywood history. It still managed to ingrain itself indelibly on a whole generation of young men. And ladies, if you like this film, you're totally kick-ass in my book. Fight Club. Joining me this week, the butch to my Sundance, Tony Atkins. Hello. And one of our very favourite guests from the gaming podcast, a veteran of many shows, including Platform Nation's Game Hounds. His blood runs with fire and his mouth spews out only the most entertaining of sound and fury, creator of our excellent website, www.thedigitalcowboys.com, Commander Tim. Hi. How, how the hell am I supposed to live up to that intro? I don't know. Just hey, stay home. And where's my intro as well? Jeez. I told you, you dude, trumpets and you are explosion. butch to my Sundance, Tony. That is, that's big. That's fair enough. Okay. I just can't quit you. Okay, here's the deal, folks. We are going to go deep in this one. After the next part, it will be a spoiler zone because we're assuming everyone listening has seen Fight Club. If you haven't seen it, I advise you to go and see it and then come back to this episode. Each time we'll do this, I'll do a 30-second pitch for each film to sweeten the deal. So basically, this is sort of like, if you haven't seen Fight Club, it has this in its favor. It's a definitive career high for all involved. Brad Pitt, Edward Norton, Helena Bonham Carter, David Fincher, Chuck Palahniuk, Jared Leto, Meatloaf and the Dust Brothers. One of the smartest, nastiest, most twisted and acerbic portraits of mankind at the end of the 20th century. It gets absolutely brutal, so a strong stomach is advised. If you can get through it, you'll be thinking about this for years and smiling. If you can't borrow it, it's available on Amazon or Play for £4.99. I recommend the two-disc special edition. It's also available for similar amounts in America. Gentlemen, what's going to happen here is... I'm going to talk you through the notes I made while watching this film and throw out the bigger talking points for the wolves to devour. That's you guys. And we will talk it over then. After this clip, after which there will be spoilers. So see you next time for everyone who's not seen Spike Club. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. Why? How much can you know about yourself if you've never been in a fight? Wait, let me start earlier. Like many of you, I was stuck. You want me to deprioritize my current reports yeah. until you advise of a status upgrade? Make these your primary action items. I couldn't sleep. No, you can't die from insomnia. I'd flip through catalogs and wonder, what kind of dining set defines me as a person? This is your life, and it's ending one minute at a time. I prayed for a different life. Soap. I make and I sell soap. This is how I met Tyler Durden. Come on, hit me before I lose my nerve. Okay. Ow! Hit me in the ear! It was on the tip of everyone's tongue. Can I be next? We just gave it a name. Gentlemen, welcome to Fight Club. First rule of Fight Club is... Wow, nice. You do not talk about Fight Club. Is that your blood? Some of it, yeah. After Fight Club, we all started seeing things differently. You're gonna have to keep me up all night. She ruined everything. You're not into her, are you? No. God, not at all. We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars. But we won't. We had a plan. <laughs> to what purpose? In Tyler, we trusted. I gotta take Fight Club up a notch. Each one of you has a homework assignment. You're gonna start a fight with a total stranger. That's not necessary. You're gonna lose. That hurt. You were looking for a way to change your life. You got it. I'm stopping this. It's already done, so shut up. What kind of sick game are you playing? Oh my god. In the end, you will thank me. Whoa! Whoa! Did you fight anyone? Who would you fight? Shatner. 
I'd fight William Shatner. I saw up in York, I'd just moved to college. Uh, the most specific thing for me was that I'd just seen The Matrix that year, and that was the most influential film of my young life. Basically, at that stage, I was thinking the most revolutionary thoughts imaginable. And then Fight Club just sat me down and was like, right, here is a dose right to your skull. And I just absolutely fell in love with that movie immediately. And I was seeing it with a girl who was a bit of, sort of, a, bit of a white, like that, sort of that. And even she liked it. So that, that's a powerful movie. Right. How important was Marla to Tyler's manifestation? As in, how key was Marla Singer to bringing Tyler out of Jack? And we're going to call him Jack for the whole film just to... Oh, yeah. You know, that's just to make the it com- easy. The commonly accepted term, yeah. Okay. Um, I th- I, yeah, actually, it's a good question. I guess if you think about it, she was... Tyler was everything that Jack wanted to be and I think also be to her as well. Because when, you know beginning of the film and he tries he fantasizes about confronting her about mm. being a faker at the meetings and he couldn't quite do it mm. and then when he finally does it's not nearly as dramatic as as uh you know he had imagined it was and she even makes the comment you know did, you know did you what was it uh, did you practice this or is this is this happening just as you thought it would or something like that yes mm-hmm. and uh i you know so i think i think that's kind of like what finally drove it out of him. Although, interestingly enough, the seeds were already there. There's four points that I've noticed that Tyler flashes up before he actually properly turns up on the plane. Uh, one of them is when he's when Jack's on the photocopier, and that's before he actually... Uh, I think it's actually pre-Marla. So, sure, but that's, a, that's a film thing. That stuff wasn't in the novel at all. Okay, but... Uh, yeah, Tyler. It, I think it's even implied in, in the in the book that uh, because he can't sleep significantly. Um, here's the thing: Jack can't sleep. Jack finds the uh, remaining men group and realizes this is how he can actually get out all of his stresses. This is how he can, in his words, become enlightened. Um, and then he he does sleep. Then, as he's uh, you know in his head sleeping, that's when uh, Tyler emerges, and then T- uh, Marla comes along and fucks everything up. So it's interesting because Tyler was already there and then she sort of brings that particular feeling of actually needing to find Tyler out of Jack. So it's possible without her, he could have gone about the whole thing without ever even meeting Tyler. But then suddenly he felt this sort of need to actually bring that out of himself. And he could have gone about this weird split personality, double life, doing some stuff at night, some stuff in the daytime and feeling really fucking tired all the time. So uh, just a theory. No, I, I think that is entirely right. I, you know, I, I think that we've all got a, a slightly set, you know, split personality between us. You know, stuff where we're sitting in work a lot of the time at a dead end job that nobody wants to be there. But whether you act out upon that is, you know, is more of a, a circumstance. And I think, you know, like, like you say, he he goes through turmoil of not being able to sleep. Insomnia is certainly playing a part of this, you know, split personality. He finally finds kind of the antidote for that. And along comes this woman who, for whatever reason, he doesn't realise he's sexually attracted to. You know, he he actually kind of gets her. That is the kind of woman that, you know, he could actually, you know, understand him. And suddenly she's there. She's kind of almost ruined his life. Um, and he goes in there and, you know, he like like Tim says, you know, he confronts her, but it, it just doesn't work out. And suddenly, you know, at that point is when she, you know, Tyler himself comes out as, uh, comes out of his, his brain. And, you know, yeah, I think you know she's a critical part of that film of why he actually emerges. Hmm. Uh, we'll do more on the whole Marla Tyler thing in, in uh, mm. later on. Right, the theme of death as freedom. This is particularly prevalent at the beginning when he's going to all the um, cancer and uh, uh, remaining men and, and, and that kind of the, the groups. And basically he's wallowing in death. Everyone there is using the, the group as a distraction. Uh, but that they have, you know, death is hanging over the shoulder of everyone. But the theme throughout Fight Club is that the fear of death is holding Jack and everybody else in Tyler's eyes at least captive and the idea being that it's when you let go of that that, that you can be free discuss I don't think that, I think you pretty much covered it okay <laughs> damn it <laughs> well, I mean that's, that's exactly how they use it I mean it's um, you know the, the thing I mean I guess you know the ultimate lesson is especially with the with the support groups at the beginning is is that when you know you're going to die you are completely honest. Yes. But, I mean, so that's what I mean. That's what it is. It's not. It's not. You know, when you accept. Well, and plus, when you accept you are going to die, that you accept that you're just another cog in the great chain of, you know, in the great clock of nature. You know, you're not. 
fantastically special. You're just a collection of organs and, you know, bile and blood that is on this year for about, you know, 90 years average, and then you're gone, and that's it. And you just need to deal with that. Sorry? Well, yeah, I mentioned before we even started recording, I, I said there's going to be quite a hard film to kind of narrow down. And what I actually kind of meant by that, I, I think it's an easy film to break down in its sections in, like, you know, the, the opening part of the film is this. You know, like say, that section of the film is, it's people realizing that they are going to die. And the whole idea is that when you, you're in that, that place, you know, you have more time for people. You, you know, you want to listen to, to their stories. You want to understand a bit more. Um, so I just, you know, we're going to end up in a situation definitely within Fight Club, but there's so many ideas that are being thrown around. It's, it's going to somewhat turn into a bit of a list. You know, what do you feel about, you know, this, this idea? And, and that's going to be more of an opinion based. But the, I mean, that idea straight away was very much that, you know, when people are in, are in the, the edge of dying, they do open up and, he gets caught on that. He gets hooked on that. He, you know, people are finally listening to him. He works in this job that no one cares about. He hates his boss. And suddenly there's people there, you know, even if he's, he's been fake to them, they're actually sitting there listening to him for the first time in his life. Strangers with this kind of honesty make me go a big rubbery one. There are four moments when Tyler turns up uh, before he actually properly turns up. The photocopier, like I said before, at the remaining man, he's hanging around some guy's shoulder for one frame. Uh, at the airport, he actually goes past Jack on the uh, uh, moving platform. Moving walkway, yeah. Moving walkway, but that's not a flash, that's a straightforward. He's there. And that's just about enough to convince you to, uh, the, to believe that maybe Tyler is part of this world. It's, it's little throwaway moments like that that you just go ahead and assume that he's not just a figment of Jack's imagination. And why would you at the start? And the craftiest. Do you know what the fourth one is? Remind me. Oh. When he's talking about the single-serving cream, single-serving sugar, single-pad of butter, the microwave cordon bleu hobby kit... Between our takeoff and landing, we have our time together, and that's it. Mm-hmm. He's watching a, a video at the hotel of basically a sort of inauguration video of, you know, you know, here is how you use the TV. And all the waiters on the uh, TV go, welcome, Tyler's standing right, on the he's, right he's a, he's in there, yeah. a waiter outfit. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. And it's the same hotel that he's basically pissing in the soup. Okay, right. Nolan's Joker would have been entirely different without Tyler Durden. Discuss. I am way behind this one. I don't agree with that at all. You don't? Completely okay, different right. characters. No, no, no. Completely different characters. I don't even know where you're coming from. The characterization could not be more different between those two. You could not be more wrong if you tried. Do me yes. a favor. Have you got Batman? Uh, sorry, have you got the Dark Knight there? Of course. Okay, right. Look at the front cover. <laughs> okay. Okay. What's that in, in in the back? I mean, I don't have it fucking physically in front of me. Do you remember it's... what was on the front cover, smartass? Yeah, the giant flaming bat symbol on the side of a. Oh, please. Like, that hasn't been done before. Okay, right. Where has the burning smiley face... Sorry, it's a smiley face with burning eyes. It's not a smiley face. It's a, it's, a, it's a smiley face in Fight Club. Yes. At least as far as the eyes are concerned. Okay. But it's a so, bad symbol. Tell me any other film which has had a f- just, like, basically burning graffiti on the side of a giant glass building. Okay, honestly, you're trying to you're, you're trying to catch me off guard with it. I don't think that that, that the comparisons there is is like really okay. It's only the a same small character. Bit. I don't understand. It's only a small bit, but it, it, that's just it's a it's no. That, that's not even the same kind of characterization because when I think of when I think of Nolan Joker, I I think of um, you know barely concealed, just complete and total, you know, hatred and sick levels of intelligence that works on levels that we can't possibly comprehend as far as crime and murder and everything else. Tyler Durden wasn't that. Okay, but do you think that maybe he could have been a little inspired by uh, Tyler Durden? Because, okay, whether he, the Joker, as you say, was seething with hatred. Do you say seething? Or just hatred? I didn't say seething. Okay, I wouldn't right. have said seething. But okay, use it. Okay. Um, whether the, uh, the Joker was hate-filled or not, he was coming from a position of a fearless man driven by chaos and someone who actually, I mean, that his, if, you, if you look at the Joker's followers, those are the space monkeys. Those are the, the, the uh, fairly weak-minded men who the Joker has basically you know, coerced into doing his dirty work. 
Well, that's a henchman in general. Those have been around forever. Mm, that's true. The concept of that has been around forever. That's true. I feel like I'm. I, I understand where you can draw parallels, but I mean, you're you're creating parallels. They, I don't believe they actually exist. Mm. I think the way that the Joker was portrayed in The Dark Knight was a lot more punky, a lot more of an inspirational leader to the disaffected. And, and somebody who was keen on social experimentation, which the Joker in the Batman comics has not been quite so obsessed with. Actually, if anything, the Joker from The Dark Knight uh, can trace a lot of its roots back to the Joker in Alan Moore's The Killing Joke in 1988. Okay, final parallel. Tyler Durden's a man without fear, quite clearly. He is, and he's trying to take that fear away from other people to make people more like him. The Joker is clearly a man without fear. Just uh, in his eyes, everybody could be like him. And all they take is that nudge in the right direction. So he is effectively trying to nudge people into feeling along the same lines as him. Well, again, you're, you're, you know what the parallel there comes from? That literally, that exact speech is given by the Joker in the comic book The Killing Joke, which was done in the 80s, long before Fight Club was even a thought. Hmm. Where he tried to push Commissioner Gordon by driving him insane, by shooting his daughter in the spine and crippling her for the rest of her life, he was trying to prove that what happened to me could happen to anybody. Mm. I have read The Killing Joke, but it's difficult to separate the two now that I've actually seen The Dark Knight so many times. <laughs> go, go back and read it. I'm telling you, that's where the character inspiration from The Joker came from. And I suppose if we had to draw any, if you're trying to draw that particular parallel, then the character of Tyler Durden in Fight Club Polynesia, may have been from there. From there. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Okay, that's a fine point as well. This is a non-smoking theater, so please, no smoking. For the enjoyment of others, please refrain from conversation during the feature presentation. At this time, please turn off all cell phones and pagers. And remember, no one has the right to touch you in your bathing suit area. Tyler's attitude to society and what he wants. This is sort of a nice lead-on from that. Um, Right, what do you think Tyler wants? Really? He wants to eliminate the superficial worthlessness. Okay, and? And that's really what it comes down to. Okay. And what does he want society to actually end up as? Well, no, he says says it actually in the film before he leaves Jack. Well, the last time you see them peacefully together, Mm. um, he says, you know, the you know the empty empty towers you know the Sears Tower glistening in the sky wrapped in vines we're all wearing leather clothes and you know hunting our prey you know the our hunting you know the, the the animals you're going to kill and eat across the deserted highways you know he he wants a throwback he wants people to stop being so coddled and comfortable yeah he wants he wants modern day human society to de-evolve into something you know where possessions weren't you know the main goal in life it was just about you know survival of the fittest. And actually, yeah. it's it's that's a that's a viewpoint that actually I I agree with uh pretty significantly, and I have take I I've actually I've I've had enough situations in my life where I've had to hit the reset button where I've kind of almost adopted that idea. You would have to give up so many gadgets though to do that. And you know, no, I, 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 that's just it. I mean, what gadgets? My I have a phone and I have a computer. That's all I've got really. And I could live. Oh. I've lived without all of that stuff. I've lived out of a backpack for six months without a home. I've done that. Did you enjoy it? You know, honestly, I have fond memories of it. I do. There were times where it was fun. I've also I've also killed my own meal more than ten times in my life. You know, there's a certain freedom that comes of that that to know that you can be self sustaining. And I think that was one of the messages of the film. Did you wear leather clothes that would last you the rest of your life? I used to live out of a leather jacket that lasted me for ten years. Yeah, me too. But do you, do you want to get on to the whole point of really what we feel about this film and feel, uh, talk about what it actually means to us and whether we actually believe what Tyler is saying to be true? Or would you like to move on a bit more about you know the basis of the film first? Mm, no, do that, like what you just said. We'll go back to the basics later. Well, I mean, this is where I, I separate somewhat to what the universe that you know Tyler's ultimately going for. I mean, what he's actually asking is, you know, humans have evolved over a period of time. Um, yes, we may have evolved into these, you know, cuddled creatures that we are now but that's not through going through hard times i think if you if you look just a couple of hundred years back into the uh you know fair enough we didn't have the, all the gadgets and you know all the luxuries that we have now but uh, society wasn't any better off it was pretty damn shit from what i can actually work out you know it, 
it was you know if you look back at the slums the diseases um you know it, it's i can see the the romanticism the same well let's all go back to survival and, and looking after herself but seriously what he's doing if i mean just look at the, the recent collapse of the financial uh market you know it, it it's a nice idea to think that you could wipe out debt and start from again but really he would cause nothing but chaos and disaster and we'd probably end up in a far worse place we've evolved to this point of our in our existence um then again what it does actually say, and, and this is what I do agree with, we are too tied to just simple stuff. We, you know, and let's face it, all three of us here are pretty much geeks, and we, you know, our main hobby is playing computer games and watching films. Something that always made me laugh, you know, I got to get the special edition of Fight Club. Really, that goes completely against everything that Tyler Durden is actually saying. You, know, you shouldn't, <laughs> you shouldn't be collecting this stuff sitting there with your, your nice TV and your sound system. Um, so, so yeah, that's sometimes where I'm, I'm sitting there watching the film. I'm like. I don't necessarily agree with all your points, but I agree. You know, as a society, we are just you know, we are obsessed with a new uh, couch and uh, TV. But uh, you know, I, I've certainly lived my uh, sections of my life where I've had none of that stuff. I think that's part of the beauty of the film, though, because this guy is doing these, you know, really out there, essentially by some people's standards, terrible things. And yet you're still watching it and kind of agreeing with a lot of uh, his, his motives, if not uh, his, the, the ends to which he, uh, you know, the means to which he gets to the ends. Um, it's, to a degree, Tyler could be described as a hippie with a plan. Someone who, who, who sees society as being way too dependent on, on, on these things. Uh, but rather than just, you know, bitch about it, smoke pot and, and hang around in an allotment, uh, he, he goes about trying to actually put the world to rights in his own eyes and he's he's remarkably successful in, in the film in terms of actually what he, he tries to do the, the um it makes a really frightening statement about how easily led a lot of people are and um and how just one charismatic leader can can you know get people doing again i would say horrible things but if you think about it i mean what do they do they destroyed corporate art one person died it was one of them uh, they, it, it, it seems to be a lot more mischievous uh, than than actually particularly. Uh, well, but by the end of the film, he's continue, you know, He has carried out his plan in its entirety. He has collapsed the financial district. Mm. I mean, uh, you don't see the aftermath of that, but you can you you can figure your imagination of what uh, you know chaos. I mean, just look at the, the twin towers collapsing. You, I was going to say, as mm, mm, as somebody that lived in New York, that's not so funny anymore. Mm, precisely. Um, that was one of my questions later on, but do you, do you want to go for it now? As oh, in, what, what? Uh, if Fight Club were released for the first time today, how would it be different? And this, um, you know, specifically uh, pertains to the two towers. Right. Well, actually, I, 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 have, towers, sorry. I have a whole whole theory on this. Okay. See, the thing is, Chuck Palahniuk came up um, in the late 80s, early 90s, where, you know, oh, he actually, was he, I guess he, he kind of hit true adulthood in the mid-90s when he wrote the novel. And, you know, Tyler actually gives a speech in there where he's like, you know, we have no great war, our great depressions with ourselves, we're a generation of men raised by women, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because Polignac was influenced heavily by uh, the excess and the gluttony and everything else that was happening during that time period, during the 80s mm. and, the, and the 90s. And um, I, you know, it's it's true because I look back on that time and I was like, you know, comparatively speaking, that was a pretty utopian time. Um, everybody was working, money was not a huge issue for many. You know, people that were working were were doing okay. Um, the governments of the world were fairly stable, especially after you know the first Gulf conflict, which lasted you know a week and a half. <laughs> um, you know, and and everyone just kind of got in a little bored and coddled a little bit. And that's the kind of world that he was looking around at. And I think we look now where, you know, we can't make those claims anymore. I, I doubt Polignac would make those claims. If he were to mm-hmm. write the book tomorrow, he, he wouldn't be able to say that anymore. He wouldn't be able to say that our, our Great Depression is our lives because we never did anything or, or you know, there's, there's no great wars, that kind of thing, because our generation has gone through a bunch of stuff now. You know, we've, we've seen the Twin Towers collapse, and that was kind of like the loss of innocence for, I know, certainly I can speak for myself, for a lot of America. Um, and the fact that, you know, there's people out there that want us to fucking die just because of how we live. You know, that's a pretty powerful thing when you think about it. 
And I mean, and and there were the terrorist attacks that you guys had in London as well. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't think Fight Club would exist anymore, especially looking at the film and looking at the mischief and and this kind of selfish mentality of. I'm better because I've learned to disconnect myself from these things. It's because Polignac was coming from a place where that generation never had to go without any of it. And I think that's where he was coming from. And looking back on it, I think part of the reason why myself and all my friends loved the film so much when it came out and did nothing but talk about it and obsess over it was we saw ourselves in that same kind of boat. We were selfish. We didn't, you know, we didn't know any better. We were dumb. We were fresh out of high school. And in, in all intents and purposes, it was cool to be like that. Looking at it now, it doesn't hold up at all. The funny thing is, I mean, to get back... Um, onto the, the film as well. I mean, I, like, like I said, I completely agree with your points, Tim. You know, we've certainly lived through. I mean, the war. It's you know the, the war in Iraq and Afghanistan. You know, this is something that you know we, the film couldn't really uh, touch about now. Um, but some of the smaller points that it makes, you know, such as you know, men being men. You know how how it basically says you know that we've been brought up by the generation of women and we're pretty much turning into that ourselves. There's actually something I, I completely agree with. You know, the first time that Essentially, Tyler hits um, oh Edward Norton's character, Jack. Jack, there we go. Yeah, first time well, Tyler Durden. If you want to split hairs, and this is where it becomes so confusing because he doesn't really hit him. But you know, the first time he actually does hit him, I actually I, I sat there and I, and I watched this earlier before jumping on and doing the podcast. I actually thought to myself, I wonder what that is actually like. I can see how that would actually be quite empowering to be, you know, just struck in the face by somebody just because, you know, I want to experience that pain and, you know, whether that would actually wake me up. And there was, I mean, I had a good long, about an hour long conversation with my wife just about how we rely on gadgets gadgets on our life so, so much to just uh, get us through every day of our existence and really you know when we look and, and take away all that stuff the stuff that we truly uh, cherish the most is our friends and our family mm. and really you know all this other stuff we just carry around us is, is complete baggage and so I think when you look at the, the smaller points that the film was making you can actually d- dissect it in a lot easier way than saying well the ultimate goal the ultimate aim that the film is saying is that you know we should wipe the slate clean and, and see how uh, society grows on the top I, you know, I don't necessarily agree with that opinion but I think some of the, its smaller points are really still actually quite valid but do you notice that uh, in getting them to abandon everything else Tyler also essentially affords them the ability to completely ditch any friends or family they might have had you don't see anyone with any connections in Project Mayhem they become nobodies and and that's what sucks the humanity out of them they may be human beings living they may be in their eyes awakened but they aren't really people they're Yeah, but there are a bunch of people that have found family within themselves. They're men that have become men again, and by that right. group in society, they they basically turn into a, pri- a primal pact instinct. Yeah, they, you know, they, they're, that family is their family. Yeah, and I agree if you look at it from really the point of view. You know, if they've left maybe kids and wives and everything at home, but there's a reason for that, and that's what the film is trying to say that you know they may have grouped together, but there's a reason they've done that because you know all this other stuff they just left there is, is almost pointless to them because I just feel like they've been downtrodden for so many years. So when somebody, I mean, it, it made me actually laugh watching it because the way that he was recruiting these people almost re- reminded me of the, all like the Taliban videos that we've seen, you know, how these, you know, people have you know, been you know, repressed for so many years and suddenly they, they're given a, an out, a way to express themselves, a way to mean something. And, you know, as much as we can agree with, you know, the actions that they, they take or not, it was actually almost like a recruitment video that I, you know, I've seen before. Well, and, and I and I agree with you guys saying too. I mean, there are parts of it, like you know the men being men thing, and as you know, as far as the getting in a fight, you know, I, I say it all the time. You know, who wants to die without any scars? Mm-hmm. You know, when I was talking to somebody the other day about you know how I, I, I was you know potential surgery I need to have to get, and I'll have a scar on my face, and I was like, I don't care. You know, who cares? I've already got tons of them. It, it's every everyone's a road mark, right? So. Um, but let me let me pose one thing to you guys as far as all this conversation about you know never never been punched in the face which sure. honestly has I, I mean and this sounds so cliche considering the topic matter right I mean, honestly but have any of you guys ever just been in a total knockdown drag out fight not since I was about 13 and that was really? not a knockdown drag out fight that was a brief scuffle in uh, 
CDT, which is really? like a shop for you guys. Okay. What about, uh, what about you, Tony? The closest I've ever really come to it. Um, <laughs> a fight, yeah, a little bit at school. You know, once again, you're a bit of a, not necessarily a rough kid, but you know, was certainly wasn't afraid to step away from a fight. But I suppose the cl- closest I've ever been was I had, I had a brick shoved into my face as a, a younger kid and he broke a load of teeth and stuff so uh, uh, I kind of know what pain being smacked in the face is like and yeah it certainly yeah, wakes you up certainly as a child but, uh, before everyone gets worried that was just his brother's rough housing rather than actually it wasn't like <laughs> yeah, a severe brick. child it makes it sound like a rough no it was actually just a, a, a bad pat- practical joke gone wrong but uh, certainly yeah, I, I can I know what a pain being smacked in the face is like well I was just going to say I mean I've I've been in more than a few scuffles in both mm-hmm. my younger years and my adult life there's nothing romantic about it. There mm. really isn't. There's there's none of this, you know. I, I I agree. Like you know, to the extent of you know, I I know no, I you know, you never been in a fight, you know that kind of thing. Like you want to get punched in the face before you die. Sure, why not? You know, know what it feels like. But mm-hmm. when I was like I said, when I was younger, when this movie came out, when I was when I was you know, gosh, what was it fall of 1999? So I was I was 20 years old. Yeah. Um, you know, that was cool to me. It was like, yeah, let's go out and just you know get drunk and we'll start a start a fucking fight you know and at the time I was really into you know a lot of just the, the punk scene and everything else and we would we'd go out and we would get drunk and get into fights with people for just and it was stupid and you look back on it now and you're just like you know what the hell was wrong with me and that's why I guess I looking back on the film I, I don't romanticize it as much and I can't look at it analytical and it just it seems kind of preposterous to me it's like you know shit what do I care you know I mean it's that's that's meaningless to me. I, I didn't grow up in a coddled life, I guess. You know, like so. I, I look at it very differently now as an as an adult. But you know, the other thing too is, as far as you know, leaving everything behind and everything else. Um, you find somebody that lived through the apartheid stuff, okay, or someone that's um, lived in the religion wars in Ireland, and you show them this film, and you say, "Hey, you know what? Look at that." What do you think, huh? And see if they take away the same message. Mm-hmm. See if somebody who has, has been through conflict and maybe never had a lot of stuff to begin with in their life and has actually had to suffer for everything they've had, I bet you they don't take the same message away. I bet you they actually find some of the things in the film pretty preposterous that people even wonder about that kind of thing or, or aspire to be that kind of thing. Okay, it sounds fairly trite right now, but to talk about the actual the controversy that surrounded this film, a lot of people were complaining about the violence, and a lot of people were complaining about the fact that basic, uh, people who hadn't seen it or were only paying vague attention to it, it would appear that it's just a bunch of guys getting together and kicking the shit out of each other in some sort of weird power kick. However, what's very key to the film is the losing of a fight to somebody is basically it's giving them something. It's giving them that that feeling of empowerment and the and the, and the idea that um, when they fight each other and this is I don't believe that um, Palahniuk or, or or Fincher were ever you know suggesting that going out and getting into a fight in in and of itself would necessarily lead to any kind of enlightenment but they fight in a specific way that actually is more about giving something to somebody else rather than physically setting out to destroy something and oh, sure. they, they, the uh, the the difference comes when Jack actually beats the shit out of Jared Leto uh, in, in an attempt to destroy and everybody goes absolutely silent and realises oh Christ he's, he's turned it round um it's I don't think I've seen that in any other film I don't think I've seen that in any other book it, it's, it's weird it is an unusual point to make and um it, it seems you know like I say, try saying this after you've just said your piece there. I do understand that, but I'm coming from the point of view of someone who's, you know, led a relatively coddled Western lifestyle with no specific wars or terrible, terrible hardship to go through. I didn't necessarily have any desire to get into a fight after seeing Fight Club, but the one thing that came across was that Tyler was trying to stamp out the fear, the fear of being punched, the fear of physical pain, being the most primal, the, e- the, the easiest to, uh, to, uh, to relate to, yeah. and the easiest to demonstrate. And uh, if you get over that one particular hurdle, at least in this film, I'm not sure if it applies to real life at all, then that could then extend to many, many parts of your life, and, and technically it could open your eyes to the fact that essentially you are going through your life terrified that something terrible could happen at any second. Now, as you say, 
it's not as revelatory now, but I think that is still something to take away from it. It is. It is certainly. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I'm getting all heavy on you, but you picked a you picked a heavy ass movie to just mm-hmm. you know to tear apart. That's oh the hell trick, yeah, you know? I wouldn't have it any other way. So, um, but no, I, I agree with that in that respect. And, and there are things to take away from it. One, yes, the the stop living in fear thing. You know, the number one the number one thing is, and I think I actually read this in an old X Men comic years and years ago. Mm-hmm. Was uh, you know, you you should never be afraid of dying because everybody dies. What you should be afraid of is not actually living while you're here. Hmm. Simple as that. Dark Phoenix Saga? No, no. It was uh, actually the death of Ileana. Ileana Rasputin. Yeah. Shit, I have that one. Wolverine says it's Jubilee on the docks. Now I remember. <sighs> okay. Actually, that entirely sums up the film, though, Tim. I think you know, that does hit the, you know, the nail on the head, really. It does sound like a sort of Star Trek thing to say, but no, it's 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 spot on. What about that's that's a lesson we all should take away. We're, I mean, is is bleak, and I, and I when I say this, I'm not saying it is in like the emo kid. I'm going to go cut myself and masturbate in the woods kind of way. But what I am saying is that you know the simple fact is we are all our time is limited. We're all going to be dead someday. I mean, you don't you can't live your life thinking about it from moment to moment, but you know you can certainly. If it's if it's in your mind once in a while, I think it teaches you a bit of humility. Braveheart. What? <laughs> they totally stole it for Braveheart. <laughs> every man dies, but not every man truly lives. Okay. I love you. Always have. Can we get back to the base? Maybe a bit more about the basics of the film and talk about you know the actors that actually starred in this. And sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, when you actually look at David Fincher, what he had done before this film had come out, I and mean, he had previously done obviously um, Alien Three, but what, back in '92, yeah, um, which some think is a disaster. I, I think after Alien Resurrection, I think a lot of people re- re- reassessed that situation. Went, well, maybe it wasn't that bad. In film. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Have you guys ever, well, not to just sidetrack for a bit, have you seen the, yes, as close as we're ever going to get to a director's cut? Yes. Yes. Okay. I've got it. It's a very different film, right? I mean... I didn't think it was massively different. It was It was different enough where you could see where they, the tampering, mm. you know, there was entire but, things where just they never got to do. But... Go ahead. Sorry, my, no, my, my point with that was the classic uh, case of a, a man being, I mean, it, it was very well aired in public, but um, you know, the studio wanted one particular thing. He wanted something completely different, and you know, the, the final product is somewhat of a mishmash of, of them you know, leading it somewhere and he leading it somewhere else. Um, and, of course, he then follows up with Seven, which is a completely different film. And we probably should do on on this show as well because that's a fantastic film to cover. Dissect yeah. and and once you know Brad Pitt was in that and that was a stellar performance. And really, if you you know, it's an it's an easy crossover from Seven to Fight Club. Um, but Alien Three, I mean, then he went on to do what, Panic Room after that. Uh, which, you forgot the game in between Seven and Fight Club. Which that was a good film. That was really. Okay. No, I liked it. Have you, have you actually gone back recently and seen it? Not so, recently. No, it, it, well, the problem with me for the game is once you've seen it the first time, when you see it the second time, you're thinking, yeah, this, that doesn't this, make this, fucking this. sense. Yeah. There's a bit where, um, no spoilers here, but um, Sean Penn opens a, a drawer and loads of keys fall out and he goes, ah! um, and that wouldn't actually happen considering the end. I, th- I think the point I was actually trying to make here is if, if you look at something like Alien 3 where he was trying to get his big break uh, in, in making a film and he, he was very much studio tied. Um, Seven obviously changed that a lot from him in Fight Club is that completely, you know, balls out. He was obviously allowed to, do, you know, he was suddenly the, the big kid on the block and he was allowed to direct whatever he wanted to, uh, to direct. And that, that clearly shows. Yeah, absolutely. OK, so back to the film itself. Now, I did want to mention one thing that's not in your notes, though. OK. It, and it's, and There's it's, so it's, much that's not in my notes. Well, this is a, this is kind of a big one, and I was actually a little I was a little surprised you missed it because I, honestly, I, I expect more from you, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Come off it. <laughs> the tight integration 
of the soundtrack by what was at the time a pop music group. Yeah. Yeah. Um, first time it really ever been done, and the music plays so much into what's happening on the screen. It's actually kind of ridiculous, you know. And and then there's there's actual musical cues in the film that just like the film, um, it builds up and builds up, but then it never kind of releases. You know what I mean? Like you, mm-hmm. it, it builds up to this plateau, and then. It's very back. moody. It's got a kind of a it, it's sort of a, something's growing and building feel to it. And it's yeah. it's really, if you listen to it, if you just put it on, it's really cool and funky to actually just sort of have on in the background. It's thinking music. And it, it never it never takes over the scenario except for the medulla oblongata, um, the, the beginning, sort of that down, 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 right, down, right, down, right. down, down, down. For the rest of it, it's just sort of, Humming along in the background, but it's 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 got a kind of a staccato gears feeling, like a sort of a, a clock working but working badly. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but I just I think that it's important to note that how how much that music plays into the film and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It also um, sets up a lot of uh, David Finch's uh, camera work, where you know he does a lot of one kind of oh, shot takes and working its way through the actual. Uh, the house that they're in, you know, very, very long shots, and I mean, as you see, definitely in later films, it was all about kind of mixing kind of these the, the CGI shot where you know it goes through like a, a kettle handle and then you know wanders upstairs. I mean, he used that to massive effect in the panic room. Mm. But uh, you know, I, I think you see his style here. He's, he's the director at the top of his game. Actually, one thing I actually do want to mention about Ed Norton mm. is remember when he was the golden kid? Yeah, because he, he oh, yeah. just. Yeah. I mean, he had done what Primal Fear and, and stuff and terrible rounds. Another, but, another good um, American History X was the film he actually done just before this, um, mm. and that's a really interesting film. Um, so a lot of that kind of I remember seeing how angry he was in that film, and then suddenly seeing him this, where he, he seemed to kind of be a, a completely different character, but ultimately it almost ends up being the exact same character I seen in the film. You know, not too, not a, well, not too many months before that. Um, I, I believe American History X was actually afterwards, wasn't it? I could be wrong. It was certainly 99. Oh, no, 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 American History X was 98. So, yeah, it would have been before. Sorry, sorry, completely wrong there. (laughs) So, what was the the point about Ed Norton? Remember uh, when he was good. (laughs) No, he was the the kind of golden boy. And, you know, once again, this this film kind of set that in motion. I think recently he's lost his way completely. And I'd I'd love to see him kind of regain his track and actually grab another set of balls. But, uh. Well, he does, uh, he does a lot of, he does a lot of production work now. Ah, oh, okay. Right, American History X was released in March '99 in the UK, so about six months beforehand mm-hmm. for us. So yeah, you're absolutely right on that. Okay. Um, and of course, yeah. Helen Carter in the Wings of a Dove. Uh, <laughs> I always found her annoying. I still find her annoying. Okay, do you find her annoying in Fight Club? Yes. Marla is such a great character, and she plays her oh, no, she's so a great character. well. I think I think Helen Bonham Carter is is I don't like her. Do you like Tim Burton? No, can't stand him either. I think he's a he's a little prat. Well, there you go. They're a perfect couple for you. <laughs> I know. May I recommend Sweeney Todd? <laughs> no, I will not watch it because I am so sick of seeing fucking Johnny Depp in drag. God. All right. No uh, Sweeney Todd for you. Okay. Uh, but okay, right. No, seriously. Brad Pitt. Uh, this is, uh, you know, as you said, he was uh, considered a pretty boy before this. What changed with this in people's eyes for Brad Pitt. When did, uh, how come suddenly he's now doing Oscar fair? Like, uh, uh, the curious case of Benjamin Button and Babel. Those were really right. good films. Yeah, but you, you say he was a pretty boy before this, but what, you know, he was doing what? Thelma Louise. Yeah, but no, he was doing true Seven romance. years in Tibet. <laughs> right, right, but he wasn't being taken seriously as an actor. Yes. But he also he did was, Seven before that, and surely if you're not taking him seriously as an actor at that point. Yeah, but he wasn't, the thing in, in that film... He wasn't really. A, he was. He didn't act. He reacted that entire film. If you go back and watch it, every every single thing Best he thing does is yeah. a reaction. Mm. Oh come uh, on! Where is, well, no, listen. Yeah, Still exactly. Tim the yeah. acting coach. Come yeah. on, you know. Oh, um, what's in the box? Yeah, in this film, he was a protagonist. He was actually setting the wheels in motion that all other characters followed, and he was carrying an entire weight of a role on him, and it was and it was coming across beautifully. Um, you know, he portrayed. He portrayed the the power that he needed to uh, when he needed to, and uh, you know was also able to draw back when he when he didn't need to. It's it, it's amazing that it's it. You let me put it another way. It's nice that he wasn't just another pretty, you know, actor. 
kind of person because those mm-hmm. kind of do grow on trees a little bit. Um, it's very rare the actor that ha- is the total package. You know, a lot of people throw around Cary Grant when compared to someone like, say, George Clooney. You know, I think the same comparison can be made to Brad Pitt. I think that actually those are two of the most talented actors that we have right now uh, in, in our Hollywood stable of talent. And they both came from the same kind of upbringing, where, well, upbringing, but the same kind of place where they were started out as just kind of like the handsome leading men and then actually graduated into real, honest-to-goodness actors. Mm-hmm. Right, okay, the twist. And when we figured it out, and also how Marla figures into this before and after. Because there was a twist? There was a twist. Mm-hmm. Um, you figured it out straight away, did you? You, you read the book, hadn't you? So. Well, I read the book, yeah, but I didn't. Okay, you, have to, you have to project back to when you read the book. Sure, you're, I did. No, I, I didn't really see it coming because the entire time it's like it, it, it comes off too perfectly, you know. And I think I think reading it is different because you, you don't necessarily visualize every nuance of every interaction and everything that's said. You know what I mean? Mm. I think in the film they had it. They certainly had their work cut out for them, mm. you know, keeping it under wraps until the end because you do, you you know, you're not visualizing anything in your own head. You are not leaving out any details because you don't think of them everything is presented to you mm. and indeed they can mislead you with little bits at the beginning where Certainly. you just take things for granted yeah. um, uh, see for me I read the book afterwards uh, but watching Same the here. film I think I did not figure it out until very close to the time they actually reveal it it was when he was running around trying to search for Tyler um, and then there's that point when he meets the guy with the neck brace and almost immediately he said, hello, sir. And I was like, right, he's Tyler. Clearly, he's Tyler. And you found it out about five minutes later that he's definitely Tyler. But um, it is still, it's, if you've seen Angel Heart, which I hadn't at the time, you might figure it out a bit earlier. I don't know. Let's no, I, I'm, I was right with you. I mean, I figured it out almost exactly the same time you did. I mean, I don't know whether that shows you how, uh, you know, how well they were doing. I, I think the the problem now is when I, I go back and look at it, you know, you're, you're looking for all the the places where they could stumble, and you know, the way that you know, <laughs> there's a couple of times where I just, I just honestly, God, do not. Do not think that they pull it off. I mean, there's just a couple of scenes where it's like it's not even possible to have what that kind of. What would he be doing there? Yeah, you yeah, have to. Just, there's a stretch of the mind for you to work out what he's actually doing at that. Well, and there's that scene in the um, the car park where they're, they're having almost like that final fight of theirs. Yeah. Um, you know, and and he's physically being dragged up the car park, and and it's shown on the video. It camera, looks supernatural. You know, so. And it's just like, well, you know, he's got his hands up in his hair, in the air behind his head, trying to stop this person dragging him. Mm. Yet he's being dragged. It's almost like there is a ghost pulling him. There's no way he could yeah. actually be physically. His, back, no way his back would be and, on the ground. Yeah. You, so you, you do trip up over it once you've seen it, but I, I think all the time, if it's your first time, you just your mindset isn't there. There are some really clever bits where, uh, you know, the, the uh, his other boss says, I showed these reports to my man here, and he points to Jack. And he, he could have actually said Tyler at that point, but he didn't, because Jack is never actually referred to by name by anyone. It's great. And um, then there's bits where Marla says, who are you talking to? To Tyler, who's just been having sex with her and talking to himself at the door, but clearly couldn't have been outside at the same time. So... Uh, it's it's just little clues basically if you if you, mm-hmm. if you pick up on them. Well, that's that's the one thing. Yeah, people need to pay attention to. This. Like sometimes um, Jack is the projection. Mm. Yeah, and you know, okay, let me go pick up on that. But I'm just I'm looking at the book really quick, and if anybody following along at home, page one fifty eight, because I had it next to me, so I could reference. I do that. have it actually. I just can't now, when um when he goes to the bar and meets the gentleman in the neck brace, mm-hmm. which where you said you know you kind of knew. That scene is much more elaborate and important to the mm-hmm. entire thing in the book itself because he says, you know, he goes in, he's like, you know, you stopped in last week. He goes, Tyler was here. He's like, you know, you were here, sir. And he's like, I've never been here before tonight. He says it to himself. And he goes on and on about how, you know, uh, talk, he talks to the guy about you were here asking, like, how soon the police were going to shut us down. And he's like, well, what are you talking about? You know, and he goes, no, you said how many people we had to turn away. We had a 27 count turn away last night. The place is empty the night before and after the club, yada, yada, yada. And it's like three pages of this stuff mm. that really goes in detail. I mean, it was at that moment you know, you, you know beyond all shadow of a doubt what is happening mm. because it's that scene that breaks it down for you. Mm. I'd assume also uh, in, in the book it's a little bit harder to separate Tyler and Jack because they don't go into massive amounts of uh, description of, of what they look like. In fact, I don't yeah. seem to remember Jack ever talking about what he looks like in the book. No, and they, they meet uh, very differently as well, mm. if anybody remembers. Yeah, he's on a beach and he's naked. Yep. That's all I remember. 
He couldn't sleep. You can't die from insomnia. She couldn't help. Are we done? You love me, you hate me. Is that a pretty accurate description of our relationship? How's that working out for you? He thought he found a solution. I want you to hit me as hard as you can. I haven't seen you at any support groups. I'm a new one. Really? Brad Pitt, Edward Norton. You're not into her, are you? No. Fight Club. You're the worst thing that ever happened to me. Kids. Rated R. Right, your attitude to Marla. Now, you like her as a character. When she realizes the truth and you realize the truth at the same time, um, suddenly Marla changes as a character. She stops being this crazy bitch and she suddenly becomes quite a sympathetic uh, person. Um, would you agree? I think I think her character towards the end realizes that, you know, there's consequences to her actions and I think you know the, the, the Marlo we'd seen the whole movie was an act there's, I mean, she's throwing herself around the apartment and uh, taking you know saying she's going to kill herself that kind of thing it was just her acting out kind of thing and, and at, the, at the end of the movie she snaps out of it and puts all that shit aside and starts acting like a real person again yeah you know when she goes in and sees Jack has shot out the side of his face she has general, general you know genuine concern okay so let's handle that last bit then. How does Jack actually beat Tyler? Oh, well, I mean, by what they portray, it's um, basically he he kills that part of himself, but he doesn't really. It's he convinces himself that he's killed that part of himself. And what so I, I mean, if, if you could sum up Tyler as, as what he is, I um, I've heard many theories that state that basically he's Jack's id. If you divide their mind into three parts, this is basic psychology 101, and very little more than this. Uh, it's uh, the ego, the superego, and the id. And the id is the ba- the ba- basically all of your urges, and uh, everything that Tyler does is a, a primal urge for Jack to go off and do this. And um, when he basically lays Tyler to rest it's it, it's essentially all he's really doing is taking responsibility for for his own actions right that's my that's my that's my point on it that's my, the way I see it anyway no I mean yeah. that, I mean, that, you, you can't and this isn't this isn't like a yeah this, this really I mean there's no debate or conversation I mean there could be a conversation here they totally have it open to interpretation yeah. he physically inflicts a tremendous amount of, of physical damage on himself and Tyler somehow dies you know how how it actually happens in his head. They never really get into. I don't think that particular relationship could have ended in anything other than extreme violence, and that's about the most extreme violence you can get, I suppose. Right. Yeah, I suppose if we want to look at it, um, one of the things Tyler was always trying to do was to empower everyone, like we've talked about. And yes. you think at the end where he he physically harms himself enough where he is, you know, he he's can't get by without help. He's going to die without immediate medical attention and assistance. Um, maybe it put him in such a weak place where he didn't need Tyler anymore. But also, he's not afraid. Right. My eyes are open. He is exactly. not afraid to die, and he points the gun. He, at that point, intended to kill himself and Tyler, it would appear. He, he's not thinking, right, what I'll do is I'll shoot myself through the cheek, and that'll kill Tyler. He believed he would die at that point. And yeah. that belief, I suppose, in a Matrix-like way, to bring it full circle... Your mind makes it real. No, and, and that was completely the case. I mean, eventually Tyler himself wins because I mean, ultimately, that's what he was saying throughout that film: is that you know people should you know literally just grab a hold of themselves and take responsibility for all their actions. And you know, eventually, this is what he does: you know, he sticks a gun in the mouth in, in the intention to blow his brain, brains out. So Tyler eventually actually does win. The fact is that he doesn't manage to blow his brains out. He actually he's almost a failure at that point. But you know what? It all works out well in the end. And that kind of almost upsets me because you know you're left with this shot there where he, he doesn't die, um, and um, I mean Helen Postecoglou turns up and and it's like oh, oh, oh yeah, your face is half blown off oh it'll be better I'll just tap that with a cloth and uh, you know then the the um, the financial society collapses around them and you're left kind of wondering what the the outcome of this is but it's not as shocking as I I actually remembered the ending being from when I saw it a few years back. Nice yeah. big. Cock. Very end. Yeah, at the very end of the movie. Love that. Um, the one thing you have to wonder, though, is um, the shot of Tyler after after you know he shoots himself. Mm-hmm. The shot of Tyler with the smoke coming out of his mouth, and we see the back of his head exploded. Yeah. Obviously, Jack is seeing that, or or, or is he? 
We don't know. Being a film, it was. Pre- I mean, I'm basing this just off the film, not even like talking about the stuff that happens in the novel. Right. Um, but in the film, you know, we as an audience see that. But was that or was that put there for us was that a to see, or was that put there for the character to see? Were we seeing two characters interacting, or were we seeing what the director wanted to show us to bring it? bring some closure to it. I think at that stage, Jack had believed he'd shot himself in the head and blown himself out the back. I think what we're seeing of Jack is a full 3D image and everything that's happening around Tyler, including the back of his head, even if Jack can't see it, in Jack's mind, that's what it looks like. If that makes any sense. No, it does. does. Shall we? Flaws with the film. Tim, I think, could you sum it up? Flawless film. (laughs) (laughs) It it, it has no flaws? Well, I mean, from a film standpoint, I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to find anything, like, from a nitpicking standpoint. Mm. You know, as a film, I say, you know. So never, no one ever really talks about it, is that the, the I know we talked about it a little bit earlier, but the direction and the cinematography and the pacing and the the, the editing on this film. I know it's, no one ever really goes on about editing, but the editing on Fight Club is the best editing ever in terms of actually giving you for, for what it's doing for the story and for for what it shows you and for what it doesn't show and for what it takes away. All of my editing has been derived from Fight Club as a result of this. If you actually look at what I um, do in, in terms of filmmaking, there's little, you know, the, the shots here and there and the little things I throw in. Uh, it's, it's all basically uh, inspired from Fight Club. There are other influences in there as well, but this is a huge film for me. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think the problem, as we said, said earlier, I think if you compare the film to what necessarily is going on in today's society, I don't think it, it stands out quite as well. But you, you can't do that. You can't take a film from when it was made and the impact it had then and then say, well, today, you know, it, it wouldn't be quite so impactful because that's not the point. I, I think as a, a, a made film, fantastic directing, um, you know, brilliant script. I mean, the screenplay is, is very good, taken out from the book itself. They they don't actually lose too much of the uh, the source material. I think when you look at the casting, you know, I can't imagine a, a better casting. I think all the characters really embrace their role. So I mean, I don't really have any complaints about the film, other than today I don't necessarily think it it works with some of the knowledge that we have. You know, how many years down the line? That's ten years down the line. I actually think that for that very reason, it works even better. It's a film so much of its time that because the final shot is two towers crumbling to the ground it's like a foreshadowing for how the world is about to suddenly change and take some responsibility or if you know or, or react very badly to some to some you know essentially let's let's face it the reverse of what tyler was trying to do actually whereas his mischief it actually seems to be to remove fear even even though it's a weird twisted way of doing it the opposite of that is straight out terrorism and we were about to basically after fight club encounter that shit and I think um, uh, to say it doesn't work these days is, is kind of like watching a, uh, a World War II film and going, well, that doesn't make any sense. We're friends with the Germans mm-hmm. now. Right. Um, it, it's a film from, for 1999. It's that simple. It's, it, I, I really think it is absolutely spot on. I mean, the very fact, the one thing that really dates it in the eyes of me as a major geek, I wonder if you can guess on this one. The videotapes in the blockbuster. Oh, no, that, that one too. Um, actually, it's in the same <laughs> montage. Uh, computer shop. Yep, yep. Apple logo. That yeah. multicolored thing from pre-1999. Yeah, from uh, pre-2000. Well. Yeah. yeah they were Which the funny thing is, by, 98, by, by 99, they'd moved away from that, actually. Ooh. Well, okay, right, yeah. So, like it's I said, made the, they made the film in 98, you know, so. Yeah. But I mean, it's a classic. I mean, so I mean, it's, it's an easy thing to say. Well, it's a classic. You can't have a, you know a criticism against that. You know, but there is, a, like you said, it was one of the defining films of our generation, and you know, one of the last films of that century. Yeah. Um, so you know, it, yeah, it, it's a fantastic film. And I mean, Christ, you haven't sat there and listened to us talking about this if you haven't already seen it. So I hope you agree. I would also really like for films with this kind of balls to be uh, released more often. 
because at the moment, for the past 10 years, we, there's been... An, yeah, for, this could not have been released in 2003, for example. Um, and even well, even now, they probably have some some serious issues with a lot of the imagery. But um, it, it's not necessarily what happens in the film, but the fact that it has the brass to say what it says. Um, now, obviously, that needs updating for, for today's culture and today's the way we would be today's society. And ultimately, the internet plays a major part in that and the communication revolution. So, if they're going to make a modern day fight club or something of that, those lines, it's got to be new. And it's but it, the point is, it's got to be brave. I think we should all be just be thankful that um, we haven't heard any rumors about a Fight Club uh, reboot. Oh, my God. <laughs> did anyone play the video game, by the way? No. No, I never did. Did you? You know, I kind of would like to now just to see what the f- what the worst video game license probably ever was. It was Matt, wasn't it? Yeah, of course it was. Yeah, but it was, it was a terrible one. I mean, ultimately, what? If, if, you, if you let someone beat you up enough, they attained enlightenment and you won. <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, it goes against everything yeah. that uh, Tyler is trying to. You got to beat the whole shit out of this fight. guy. You got to win this fight. What? Did you even see the film? This ultimately what makes me laugh about this film, and it, it, it talks about you know society should just go back to you know almost like square one again and, and rebuild itself, and you know people can refine you know actually what mean what life actually means. But uh, then we wouldn't have art, so something like uh, you know Fight Club wouldn't ever be made. So. Uh, it should be just thankful that there is some ele- elements of society where people are trying to improve themselves and produce films like this for you lot to enjoy and actually maybe think about some of the bigger issues in life. You know, and just just one last little poignant moment here. Um, th- uh, you know, I watched this film about a month ago with with uh, with Carolyn, my girlfriend, for the first time, and uh, she'd never seen it before. And I was like, well, you've got to watch it. It's a fantastic film. And she's like, yeah, but it's all about guys beating each other up. I'm like, no, it's really not. It's That's like a very small portion of what the film's actually about is guys beating each other and up. And that's representative of the fact that we've hardly talked about that at all. Mm-hmm. Right. The whole right. of this last hour. But the nice thing is she, she sat down and she watched it and walked away saying, yeah, that, that was a much deeper film than I was expecting as far as like the issues it dealt with. you know. And I think that's the problem is that it's called Fight Club and and, yeah. and everybody heard about the – you know. I remember in the States here, there was a big thing after the film came out that uh, people were setting up fight clubs. Uh, it was in the news all the time. People but, who you know. didn't get it? or No, teenagers. Well, that's just it, man. People thought it was cool. Mm-hmm. But no, there was tons of stuff. Like Teenagers would go and set up um, fight clubs, and it would be on the news and whatnot, and it was just awful. So there was this, what, the Cobra Kai? Yeah. Stop. Yeah, yeah, sweep the leg. Sorry. Um, the crane kick, that is the secret. Right, 36% on Metascore. That's a not Metacritic, sorry. Fight Club the game. Oh, Go wow. out and get it now. That should about do it for this episode of Film Club. Next time, in roughly three weeks, we'll be talking about Terminator 2, Judgment Day. So everybody go out and secure yourself a copy. If you don't own one, and you don't know anybody who can lend it to you, play, have it on DVD for £3.99 delivered. And in the States, Amazon have several different editions for just a few bucks. If you like the film and own it already, and then that means you're a human being, because if you don't have Terminator 2... And if you have a PS3, though, I'd say it's high time you got the Blu-ray. Skynet edition, now available, packed with extras, way better than the vanilla disc, and you got both the original and the uh, director's cut, and the even more added-in extra super-duper director's cut in there as well. Mine is on the way. And, of course, if you want to continue the conversation with this, you can leave us a comment on uh, the post that's up on the uh, website at the moment, which can be found at thedigitalcowboys.com. You can send us an email at mailbag at thedigitalcowboys.com. Leave us a voicemail. Come on, leave us a voicemail. And if you've got any suggestions for films uh, you want us to do. Now, obviously, 
uh, we got a lot on our list already, and we want to talk about you know very sp- films that are very special to us. But if you name one that we haven't thought of, or if there's this unanimous vote that you all want to hear us talk about a film, then we'll just go ahead and because we, we're doing this for you guys, and you know just because it's awesome talking about movies. So yeah, go ahead and suggest. That's it from all of us. We will see you for this week's Digital Cowboys video games. Enjoy Terminator Two. I've been Alex Shaw. I've been Tony Atkins, and I've been Camille Tim. And you open the door and you step inside. We're inside our hearts. Now imagine your pain is a white ball of healing light. That's right. Your pain, the pain itself, is a white ball of healing light.